I was a failure at having a conscious out-of-body experience, but I believed it would come like everything else. It'd take time. Buddhism wasn't anything like Catholicism. There was no dogma. I wasn't going to hell for being a homo. All I needed to do was expand beyond my conditioned mind, rest in this pure spirit that I am. My high school friend, Grady, wanted to have a birthday party for himself. He was the spoiled rich kid. It was two weeks before graduation, and I told him that I'd be in Miami. He wanted me to invite Mike from the bank. Mike worked in his father's bank in Homestead, and I worked part-time for the accounting firm in Homestead. I told Grady, Well, I'll stop in the bank and invite him to your party. I've been meaning to go over there anyway. My boss, Barry, for some time had instructed me to get friendly with Mike because he can send a lot of business our way. They need to help out their fellow Jews. I thought that was blunt. I would never have said it, especially to a Jew. I knew nothing about Jews. I was the ignorant guy that didn't even know Goldstein was a Jewish name. So, Friday came and I pressed on down US-1 to Homestead for another day in the accounting office. My plan was to ring up Mike and invite him to lunch and then Grady's birthday party. I was at a stoplight in Princeton when a dark green Mach 1 Mustang pulled up beside me. The initials on the painted door said M-E-L. The driver lowered his window to get my attention, and I realized, of all things, it was Mike. Aviator sunglasses. How perfect. He said, hey, give me a call and let's go to lunch today. And off he sped. When I got to the accounting office, I called the bank. When I asked for Mike Lostner, the operator said, there is no Mike Lostner in the bank. There's a Melvin Lostner. Or Mickey. Do you want him? I figured maybe Mike was short for Mickey, so I took a chance. Mike picked up and we agreed to meet for lunch. He said, I'll come by and pick you up if that's okay. And by the way, you looked really cute this morning in your dress shirt and tie. Well, he could just dream on. All was falling into place. I paraded back to inform Barry that Mike would be stopping over to take me to lunch. I actually said to Barry, Guess what? He said, Don't do that. Just tell me what it is you have to say. So Mike arrived to snatch me up, and I introduced him to Barry. Mike wore a tailored suit and looked impressive, professional. My boss was thrilled how quick I was able to get the banker in the office. The three of us talked about how much Homestead was growing and all the opportunities for all the business people. Barry seemed impressed that I had Mike in front of him. I had scored. At lunch, Mike and I began to talk about people we both knew. 
He was six years older than me, so he knew two of my brothers. He teased me again about when I was a paper boy and how mean he was to me. He said, You were really cute then, too. He asked me if I wanted to go to the movies later, and I agreed. I wasn't the slightest bit interested in hooking up with him. He wasn't my type. So he told me to stop by his apartment and we'd smoke some weed and have a drink and then go to the movie. I was pretty sure he thought he was going to get somewhere with me. When I reappeared at the office, Barry said, Joe, I'm impressed. I never thought you would get Lausner over here so quick. He'll be a good feed for the business. Ask him if he or his family are part of the Jewish Center. I didn't tell him that we'd be going to the movies. It felt really good to be a feed for the business, which in turn would make me more valuable. There were a lot more contacts that I could reach out to. My father and mother both were well known in the area and it would pay off. So I said to Barry, glad I could help. Made me think of Bill Franklin, who owned Franklin's Byright. I had worked there as a bag boy and left on good terms. His son, my age, worked there too. He was spoiled, saying he worked there as an exaggeration. His father did own the business, and one day, Ted would take over. Then Barry said, Once you are full-time... In the office, in the next few weeks, we'll come up with a plan to send you out to the other bank and attorney offices. I didn't know jack about tax, but I would bullshit my way through to get them to bury. I could get the business, just like when I built up my Miami Herald route. The paper offered me 50 cents for every new customer I landed. My accounting job so far consisted of writing on 13-column pads what the client paid for and how to expense it. I'd sharpen my pencil every hour, so I wrote out hundreds of entries and then had to tally them up and show that it balanced with the bank statement. Some of those clients dropped off their papers in a grocery bag from the buy-right Bill owned. I wondered if I could now call him Bill instead of Mr. Franklin. All that mindless work going on while the phone rang and the secretary answered, Goldstein, Goldstein, and Coven, how may I help you? The one bathroom was directly across from my turkey pen, and I could hear everything. Then the floral-scented can of spray covering up the evidence. Back home, Elsa said, I want to know more about Jean. I've been thinking she might be good for you. Give you a beard, as you say. Well, exactly. We'll have to see how it goes. I'm going out to a movie tonight with Mike Lausner. We went to lunch together, and he asked if I'd like to go to the movie. She said, You're interested in him? No, he's not my type at all. A little too pushy and too old. Plus, he's gone out with everyone in Miami. The few times I've talked with him in the bar, he goes on and on about this one and that one he's fucked. She said, I told you not to use that word. Just be careful. 
You can invite him down for dinner one night if you want. We'd be happy to get reacquainted with him. Well, I might invite him over. We'll see how it goes. He probably thinks he has me in the bag. He is way overconfident. Speaking of word, I've heard a new one. P.E. She said, what's that? Piss elegant. Don't you love it? Life had its going to throw you a curve moment. I was a planner. Everything figured out in advance so there'd be no surprises. Last thing I told Elsa on my way out to meet up with Mike was, I'll be back before 12. Before I arrived at Mike's Jade Gardens apartment, I stopped at a bar and had a vodka tonic. I needed to chill. He was really close to where he lived. Lee and Paul were now friends at a distance. It was a mutual parting of the ways, kind of like when you discard a shirt. I was done with it, and the shirt didn't care. I'd see them in the bar and say a polite, Hey, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. When I sauntered up to his door, it was wide open, music playing. At least it was Marvin Gaye singing, What's going on? I also thought maybe, He's on drugs. Who leaves the door open with music playing? So I walked in the doorway and there he was, sitting on the couch with just his underwear on. No going to the movie attire. I was pretty sure I would not be hooking up with him. Mike looked up and said, Hey, come on in. I've been thinking about you since lunch. He piled some magazines on the coffee table so I could sit. He handed me the joint he had been puffing on. I took it, took a few hits, and then told him I'd stop down the street for a drink. He said, Oh, I wish you had called. I would have walked down to join you. Well, the real reason for me stopping was because I was nervous about being alone with him. I said, no big deal. I was a little early. I liked his apartment. The kitchen, living, and dining area were one big space. He lived by himself, never had a roommate in his life. I saw the bedroom door, but wasn't going to take a look. Mike then said, I'm really glad you finally agreed to go out with me. Isn't it funny my parents know your parents? They'd shit a brick if they knew we were gay. He didn't know my parents. My father had been dead 20 years. My mother had been a nurse when he was hospitalized. His parents knew of my mother. She wouldn't like him if I didn't. And I didn't. He was a dick to me when I had my paper route. I was over that. Then I said, oh, I forgot to tell you, I've been dating someone for two months. So I didn't know this was a date. I thought we were just going to a movie. He looked at me like I had said, I've got a gun. He then blurted out, oh, you know what I mean. We are working in the same town. There's not many of us out there. The only gay people I know are older guys that are still in the closet. 
Everyone knows about them, just like your doc friend. He stood up and paraded around in his underwear. I focused on his eyes so as not to give off any hint of me being interested. He darted off to the bedroom to hang some clothes on his body. I witnessed one of the worst movies I had ever seen in my life. We sat in the area people could smoke. He lit up the moment we sat down, camel unfiltered. After that awful movie was over, we charged off to a Cuban sandwich shop on Coral Way. Some call it Miracle Mile. He drove like we were late to a funeral. We smoked another joint on the way. He was so much different stoned. Funnier and kind of stupid funny. Goofy, silly. I kind of liked it. On the way back to his apartment, he said, My plan was to sweep you off your feet. Off your feet and into my bed. He had a big grin on his face. We were flying down US-1 in the rain. I looked over at him and did think, he's actually not a bad-looking guy. Something was charming about him. He was totally masculine. He could pass for straight. He told me about a fist fight a few months back. According to Mike, the other guy lost. I still didn't answer him, I just smiled. He believed he had me. When we arrived at the apartment, someone had parked in his assigned space. He jettisoned out of the Mustang and marched up to the apartment door next to his and pounded on it with his fist. There was name calling and threats, but the victim came out and moved his car, snarling as he walked back. I thought, Mike is a madman, and I like that. I would never threaten anybody like that. I'd be afraid my ass would be handed to me. It turned out to be an awesome night. Of course, I cheated on the two-month guy, Dawn, and I lied to Dawn about not getting back to Miami until Saturday. I didn't even feel guilty. Mike fixed his breakfast in the morning. We talked about work. I told him I'd be graduating in two weeks. Was going to have a big celebration. He said, I'm getting my ski boat ready to launch. Have to charge the battery. Do you have time to help me? I said, sure. I've got to get back home by noon. I promised my mom I'd help with some things. We have to catch some feral cats at the old folks' home she works at. We went out to the parking lot where he kept his boat, a small ski boat. I helped hoist the battery out of the boat while he situated it in the trunk. The most amusing thing was a neighbor guy came out to have a conversation with Mike. Mike introduced me as his cousin. I played along. Seemed like Jade Gardens was full of alpha males that were scoring with girls. Mike had been one of those guys until he found Dick. Three years ago, he had given up pussy for Dick. 
I thought I was a late bloomer. My whole life so far had felt like the racehorse that few believed in, a long shot. If the long shot came in, then you would hit it big. It was a game. I could be what people wanted me to be. I continued to play the Mike Wallace homosexual piece in my head, unfit, never be happy, depressed. I had this inner voice that led me on a path that said, I'm getting to the finish line no matter what that ignorant fuck thinks. When I told Mike that I had to head back home, he said, Hey, let's get together again soon. It was fun, Joe. I knew at that moment that he wasn't interested in me. Not long term, anyway. I was one of a hundred other guys that he had bedded down. I got it. I was a new piece of meat. The guilt of what I did to Dawn would require me to be honest with him and tell Dawn, it's over. Be cruel, honest. I did believe honesty was the best policy. Maybe uncomfortable, but the best approach. I wanted honesty. I had never broken up with anyone. Pat, my high school girlfriend, broke up with me and started dating Richard, who joined the army. It surprised me she would pick Richard. There was never a talk about it. It just happened, and I went on my way. Pat returned my high school ring. Bonnie pretty much broke up with me, too, under a cloud of me being a homo. No proof on her part, but suspicion. Big time. I thought everything was good with Don and I. We had dated for several months. I had lied to him about coming home Saturday. After spending the night with Mike, I knew I had to end it with him. It didn't mean I was obsessed with Mike. How in the hell did my world get turned upside down so quick? I wasn't even interested in Mike before Friday. Don lived in a really cool apartment in Kendall with his ex-boyfriend. I'd actually fantasized about moving in with them after graduation. The old boyfriend had a new boyfriend. I had never witnessed such an arrangement. Don cooked a fabulous breakfast and always with fresh homemade biscuits. He even styled my unruly hair that I was allowing to grow longer. Don received the news about the way I expected. He already had tickets for us to go see Mickey Rooney at the Coconut Grove Playhouse. The play... The three goats in a blanket and Mickey were funnier than I thought it would be. I waited until we attended the play to say anything. I was also fascinated that Mickey had acted with Judy Garland. Dawn told me, I got you a graduation gift. Dawn was part Cherokee Indian. He had beautiful, straight, long, black, shiny hair. I said to him, I don't think I should take it. I've got something to tell you. We were outside the theater when he halted in his tracks. I took a deep breath. I tried to think what it would be like if someone told me 
it's over. I would have preferred John tell me instead of showing me a long, strung-out thing, grueling. Dawn said, Are you breaking up with me? Those dark eyes. His hand pushed his full head of black hair back from his face. I nodded yes. Before I answered, he said, You can find your way back home. And off he went. I really wasn't worried about getting home. I was relieved he heard the news, and it was over. I was crazy about him, and then not so much. I guess I did have a mental disorder. Not just because I was a homo, because of how I went from can't live without you to see you later. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Navigating Muddy Waters. This is a true story of my college years. If you like my show, please tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wondery, or wherever you are listening now. Everything in my show is based on actual events. I'm your host, Joe Calderwood. I'm also the writer, recorder, producer, and editor. Music is by Freddie Elmberg. I also have another podcast by the name of Stained Fortune, and you can find that wherever you listen to your podcast. Phone call you gave me 
Show you. 